Welcome to episode 21 of FTCE Seminar, the Teacher Certification Exam Podcast. I'm your host, Mercedes Musto. In today's episode, I'll be talking with two professionals to get advice for first-year teachers. Let's get started. I'm very excited today and would like to welcome our first guests on the podcast, Paul and Kelly Maldonado. Paul and Kelly are our principal power couple from Central Florida who currently serve at our public school students. Now, Paul is an AP who works with high school students and is a doctoral candidate in UWF's EDD program. And Kelly is an elementary school principal, outstanding mother, and I super love her. She has a warm smile. She is all love. Thank you for being guests on FTCE seminar today, guys. Today's episode is five tips for first year teachers. Things like how to interview, the first day of school, parents, peer relationship, what's that? And mentors, if you know how to interview, what to expect on your first day of school, how to communicate with parents, yeah, that, yeah, hmm. And anything, anything about working with a mentor, then you're way ahead, you're doing awesome, but if not, keep listening because it's about to get real. Paul, let's start with you. Uh, you conduct interviews. What are a few pointers that you would like to give our first year teachers? I, I just think that um, what's really helpful is that, you know, and, I, and we actually um, helped my son with this recently because we do conduct hundreds of interviews. I think having a mock interview oh. is probably one of the best ways to prepare for an interview. And I found just even going on Google, looking up education, you know, interview questions, you'll find some common interview questions because they, they really haven't changed. I've asked very similar questions for many years. And just have somebody, you know, give you feedback on your interview because, you know, there, there's a lot to be said for the content, what you say during the interview, but your presence is also important. And so the person that's conducting that mock interview could talk to you about your, your tone, your flow, and, um, and then you can start getting into the actual content of what you're saying. And you know, it's, it's really important to kind of know what your passion is and what you want to, to do. That's a very common question. Also, just be really good as far as your knowledge of pedagogy and mm. how you monitor student understanding. You know, how do you deal with students when they're not in their best, uh, not behaving their best? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that's a very challenging classroom situation. You know, how, how are you going to react when, when a student uh, is not cooperative? And, you know, and being able to do that, you know, in a really, you know, calm, fair way is, is important. And, you know, as, in, you know, conducting many of these interviews, you know, knowing that I'm going to hire somebody that, that could build relationships with students oh. and also keep, stay calm and cool, you know, during, during one of those situations is important. Kelly, what would you add to that? Uh, I think the best thing that um, to prepare for an interview, like Paul said, definitely prepping um, a mock interview, but also thinking about knowing your target audience when you walk into an interview, knowing something about the school that you're interviewing. Um, be conscientious and think about even something as simple as the school colors and, and, and you know bring that into your wardrobe that you're wearing that day when you go in. So it gives the people that you're interviewing with um, an opportunity to see the detail-orientedness of yourself, that you put some effort um, into it. Be friendly, be confident. 
Um, we were all first year teachers at one time. It was a while ago, but you know, we all got our first jobs. And when we got our first jobs is because you went into the interview and you were like, this is me. I'm here. I am here to teach. So, you know, give me this job so I can show you what I can do. Um, so go in there, be confident, even if it's not something that you have done or have experience with yet as a beginning teacher, um, you know, what would you do? You know, so, and that's okay. Even if, even if it's something outlandish, but something that you would do. So you show that you show your interviewer that you've thought about it. You're thinking about it. You're passionate about your content. So you go in there, ready and prepared to teach. Um, I can teach teachers content. I cannot teach teachers to love children. I can't teachers, I can't teach people to have that heart for children, um, to be able to read the room and see that, wow, they're not getting it. So let me rephrase, let me take a step back. So those are the things that I look for. Someone who is willing to admit a mistake and how they fixed it, because that's teaching. We make mistakes. We look at data, it didn't go well, we fix it. So we do that in all aspects of our life. So in interviews, I really look for those folks that really can say, I don't know, but I'm gonna find out. And that's okay. Wow, I wish I had talked to you guys before my first interview. It, <laughs> it takes me back. I actually um, went to the wrong school. Uh, there's two schools, uh, I guess, across the street from each other, a little nestled, and I walked into the school, I'm like, I'm here for my interview. They're like, Honey, we're not interviewing anyone today. <laughs> I was so nervous. <laughs> I was so nervous. <laughs> but that's really funny. Um, I did make it through that. So <laughs> You survived. Um, I yeah. did. Um, Kelly, a lot of people say the first day of school is the most important day. What can a first-year teacher do to make the first day of school successful uh, for them and for their students? Well, a phrase that we use as administrators is on the first day of school, we get them home, we get them here, we get them fed, and we get them home. If we accomplish those three <laughs> things, we've usually had a, pre a pretty successful day. But um, I, I think one of the best things that you can do is start proactively at the beginning of the year. So even before school starts and before the first day of school, make those proactive calls to families and just introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Mrs. Maldonado and I'm going to be your son's eighth grade reading teacher. I'm so excited to have him in my class. I can't wait to meet him on Monday. So I start making those positive deposits in that relationship with my students and with my families. Um, and then on the first day of school, me personally, I make it a point to, to know everybody's name. Even in my position now as a principal, I know every single student, I know every single parent. So when they walk up to the door, I can say, hello, Miss Mustard, I can say, hello, Mercedes, um, uh, to every single student. Um, and it makes a difference. Um, it is quite powerful, even on the first day of school, when I can turn to say, Paul, what do you think of this? And they're like, oh, she knows our names already. Um, so I think that is a great first step to building relationships. Um, I think in the old school way, the, it was always, you know, don't smile until December. We've all whole, <laughs> heard, you know, heard those things. Um, and, you know, I, I guess in certain situations that, that might work. Um, but I think it's it's better to start with a positive relationship with students, you know, start to, you know, just enjoy, let them get to see you as a human being and as a person and get to know you. And for many years, I taught eighth grade intensive reading. So these were, you know, generally the most struggling students by the time they got to eighth grade, they were usually boys, mm -hmm. um, usually over age, had been retained a couple of times. So they were 16, 17 years old, mm -hmm. still in middle school. 
um, and uh, they knew they weren't good at reading. So it was that extra step just to get them comfortable and to like coming to your class. Um, I think those are huge first steps for a first day of school of getting to know your students. Not that you don't have enough time because I think that's always the pressure in education as we run out of time, <laughs> but taking that time in the beginning to build those relationships will save you innumerable time later when you can just turn to a student and say, I need you to settle down and we're going to do this today. Okay. You know, just because they they understand that you've not always been that drill sergeant. You can be that real person and that you're going to hold them accountable and we're going to toe the line and we're going to get our work done and you guys are going to learn. There is no, that's not an option. Failure is not an option. We're going to learn. But instead setting that relationship piece and building rapport with your students and with your families is and just immense at the beginning of the year. That is so cool. I don't know, Paul. I, 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 what do you think? You know that. Yeah, I mean everything that Kelly said, of course. But you know that it's just I, one of the things that I know is really important is first impressions with with your students. And then even though you may not be meeting the the parents right away, a lot of, a lot of schools do have like a meet teacher type event prior to. But those first impressions are, are really important. And the students are really watching you in your classroom, how you operate. You know, if they see that things are not organized and you don't have procedures in place and you don't have rules and you don't have <laughs> expectations and things like that, you can pretty much expect that it's gonna be chaos. And they're gonna they're gonna know right away. So yeah, and, and it's true. You know, we always would, you know, hear that, yeah, don't smile. You have to be like really, you know, you know, mean or whatever, you know, the, the first few months of school. But I think what, what it really is is that it once you, you the students can see that you're on top of your game and they see that, they they will they're they're gonna know. And then they're gonna go home like, Oh yeah, you know, Mr. or Mrs. So and so, yeah, it was great, da 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 da. The kids know if they're in a, if they're with a, a teacher that knows what they're doing. So being really prepared and that first impression uh, is is really important. I think the knowing the students' names is up there. I know when I was in the classroom, um, that was something I did. I generally knew most of my students' names by the first or second day, and. I cheated a little bit. I used a lot of short-term memory, which eventually turned to long-term memory. But I would suggest, you know, uh, creating, uh, putting them in a seating chart, mm -hmm. and uh, we would have, you know, icebreaker, uh, and then I would have them in the seating chart, and I would start going off the seating chart and doing like a space repetition thing. I would go like the first row and say, you know, Sally, Joe, Paul, whatever. Sally, Joe, Paul, whatever. And repeat <laughs> that. Da da da. All right, and they look match faces with names, and just practice them. So before they end the class, so I can say, all right, I know everybody's names. And they're like, no, no, you don't know them. I'm like, yes, I do. All right, watch me. Okay, <laughs> look, hide the seating chart, hide the, okay, I'll hide that, hide that, okay. Blah, 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 and go down, up and down the rows, right? To kind of use short-term memory, and I kind of use that seating chart to kind of like just quickly memorize them. And, uh, oh, you just kind of memorized where we were. I bet you wouldn't know if we weren't sitting here, all right? Okay, go ahead, switch your seats. So they would get up and they would switch their seats. And somehow I still kind of remember who they were. I still, you know, it threw me off a little bit. But the fact that I made the effort to learn their names and to learn them right away and start calling them by their first names was, was very powerful. 
And I think that the last thing I like to um, close out with is the use of communication tools and technology. Um, you know, phone calls are great. Emails, you know, are, are a really powerful tool. One of the things though that we've turned to lately is using text messaging. So our district recently purchased a program called Talking Points, oh. um, which kind of allows us to email the parents directly, or not email, sorry, text message them directly. Through the program. Through the program. Mm -hmm. We could do it in groups, mm -hmm. we could do it individually. Um, it syncs with our student management system, so we know that we are, you know, texting the parent, not, you know, mm -hmm. somebody who's not really authorized to get the, those messages. And it's been very powerful to, to mm -hmm. use that type of technology. Um, prior to that, I know we dabbled a little bit with using like Google Voice, mm -hmm. but having a dedicated program where we can communicate directly with the parents, even through, I know teachers that keep up the, you use it through a web browser, and they keep up the web browser throughout the day. And whether it's positive news or just updates or whatever, they have it at their fingertips and they could you know, just quickly let parents know what's going on. And it's so, two-way. It's, it's two-way two communication so our parents can communicate back with us as oh. well, which is very, um, very beneficial because so much information is just one-sided. Mm -hmm. It's coming from the school mm -hmm. out to families. But to give parents the, the voice to be able to communicate back a quick question or, hey, what time does this event start? Or, you know, how was... You know, how was Paul in class today? He left this morning and he wasn't in a good mood. How did his day go? You know, things like that. And, and, and for a teacher, it's just, it, they can do it on their phone. They can do it on an iPad, on a computer, or, you know, on a laptop. And just be able to quickly, like the text message, and just respond uh, has been very beneficial. That is so good to mm -hmm. hear. Um, I know you brought up space repetition, and I do have to shout out, that is one of our episodes on FTCE seminar. So if you heard Paul talk about space repetition helps your memory recall and you want to learn more about that, check out a previous episode called Space Repetition Study Hacks. <laughs> um, in K through 12 schools, we communicate with parents, grandparents, and a lot of family members. And you've been talking a little bit about this, but what is the key to good communication, you know, for first year teachers starting out? I think the, the key to good communication is consistent communication. Um, I have found teachers in the last few years have a tendency to want to not have that phone call. It's, it's safer, it's easier to send an email or to send a text. And while those are, are definitely viable communication options, there's nothing quite the same as a phone call. Um, you know, so I think don't be afraid of those phone calls. Even if you're delivering something that's negative, they misbehaved or they didn't do well or had a problem on campus. Um, I think consistent communication is key um, and consistent communication that highlights the things that have gone well as well as when things don't go so well. Because if you're the parent receiving you know, a call. I'm calling Paul every day, calling Paul's family. Paul did this. He didn't turn us his homework. He failed this test. He was arguing with me. What, you know, as a parent, no matter what, even if you know your kid can be a pain, it gets old. No parent wants to hear only bad things or no family wants to hear only the negative things that their child does. So, uh, you know, I, I always stress to my, especially my new teachers, get to know your families, build a positive relationship with them. 
um, you know, call with, I find, I, I don't care if all you can say is he has nice handwriting. I know something, <laughs> find something positive that you can communicate with that family about because then when you do have to communicate something negative, it kind of softens the blow because the, it's not just the negative. Um, so I think that's that's really big to communicating um, with families. And then if you can't get a hold of anyone, which that happens, um, my school that I'm currently in is 100% free and reduced lunch. Um, we are at 94% below the poverty line, all of our, our families. Um, so phones change, they get turned off, you know, pay, bills couldn't get paid. Um, they move quite frequently, so there's a huge mobility rate. They're upwards of 40% mobility rate. Um, so sometimes getting a hold of our families is not the easiest. So the other thing that I would say for, for newer or for younger teachers is communicate with your administrators. Um, I my whole community knows that I will show up at their house. I do home visits all the time. When I if I can't communicate with you through traditional means, I'm gonna find I'm gonna go to your hotel. I'm gonna go to wherever you're staying or to your house or apartment, and I will show up there and say, hey, you know, so and so has has been hasn't been in school in three days, and we haven't seen them. Um, we need them in school. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. We don't have a car right now. Okay, well, let's get, what's the barrier? You know, mm -hmm. so if as a new teacher, sometimes you don't know those things. And so you're just assuming, well, I can't reach them by phone, so I give up. Mm -hmm. There are so many methods out there. Work with your school administrator. Work with your school counselors, with your school social workers. Um, find someone. Just don't don't give up on our babies. Um, and, and find a way to communicate with their families because... Where there's a will, there's a way, and we need them in school. You know, our, our kids stand the greatest chance if they're actually in our seats. So whatever we need to do to get them there, we need to do. This is great. I have goosebumps. Uh, I wish that um, everyone could get the, these advice um, be, before they get in the classroom, or even, even if you just got in the classroom, or even if you've been in um, just a few years. I know that um, I got stuck sometimes and I thought, well, what am I supposed to do? And and part of, of me is that I, I, I wasn't reaching out asking for help and, and that would have been good advice for me. Um, Paul, what would you like to add to communicating with parents and families? Yeah, I, I think it's a really important topic. Um, I think that Again, everything that Kelly said, I just want to just add a, a few more things to it because, you know, everything she said is, is very important. I, you know, we're, we're all leaders of something. When we're in a classroom, we're the leaders of our classroom. If we've been given the, the opportunity to lead a professional learning community, we're a leader of that. If we've been given the opportunity to be a dean or an AP, we're the leader of those departments, those areas, and the principal leader of the school. And we're all responsible for developing a positive climate and culture. Mm. But, and it starts at the class level. And I think the communication with the parents and students is really important. And Kelly mentioned you know, how it, it's important to when, when you communicate that those messages convey a positive message and that they convey cooperation. Right? And you always want to seek you know, cooperation with your parents with working with them to improve their students' education, and and that that also that sets a tone in your in your classroom, and so I just think that's really important. Also, the balance between you know uh, the the negative contacts and the positive contacts. 
Uh, I've made it a, a point in the past to um, have students that have done really well uh, and do these like uh, call outs. I would, I would do, I would, sometimes I would, you know, I would have a ton of students. They have you know, 30, 40 kids who, let's say, all got A's on a particular test. And I would do kind of a blast call out to the parents. And I, always, I would always time it like on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, the kids really appreciated that. Like, hey, you're so and so, you know, had a wonderful week. They got an A on their their last assessment. Blah 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 blah. And then now coming Monday, the kids always tell me, yeah, my mom she took me out. I got new sneakers. I got this. So, you know, but it just goes to show that you know it doesn't have to be negative. You you go and now the kids are gonna work for getting on that blast out. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm in their corner. I want to do it on a Friday. I want them to get spoiled that weekend and reward it. And their parents will join in cooperatively in making that happen. So, yeah, you know, it, it was, it's, it's a great thing. And, you know, and like I said, that can happen in the classroom. And that can happen school-wide, too. It can happen at different levels and still have the same impact. Um, I also think, too, uh, what Kelly was talking about with the, the home visits and really connecting with the parents you find, you know, de depending on the demographics of your school and the socioeconomics, you know, um, there's different needs. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, working in a Title I school now, you know, I could definitely see that, you know, the parents need, you know, extra support. They need to know that, that we're there for them. Mm -hmm. They need to know that, th and we need to be able also to, to, to support them and give them tips on how to be better parents, how mm -hmm. to work with the school. What in a lot of cases, a lot of my parents have come from out of country, mm -hmm. and sometimes this is actually their 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 child's first experience in like a school. Mm -hmm. You know, they're coming from you know uh, parts of the world. There's there's really not a public school system, mm -hmm. and so they're just not familiar with how parent involvement can work. How you know what they could do at home to help their children to 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 read and math and. and and all that, and what the resources are that, that are available to them. So being able to communicate that to the parents is another huge piece in, in you know, as a new teacher that you could, you know, help educate them and bring them aboard. Mm -hmm. this, this is excellent, guys, because I, I was, while you were talking, I'm thinking about the professional education exam that the first-year teachers have just passed or are studying for right now, and you hit on key points on the exam. Um, English language learners um, to invite parents to campus that they need support. Um, also effective strategies in, in communication um, that help the classroom uh, management. Like All of this is on the test um, and here it is um, implemented into um, helping first-year teachers. So it is cool because so you're talking about the, the communication with family and that goes straight into the same with uh, peer relationships. If I'm a new teacher at a new school, I have new colleagues, I have new students, I'm already overwhelmed just thinking about that. How do you onboard your first year teachers? Um, I, I, when I think about onboarding is, I think about creating a welcoming atmosphere for my new teachers. Um, they're already nervous and scared um, they're a little freaked out about the first day of school I just think we had pre-planning when they really got to come on campus for the first time and you know see their classroom and and all of that was just in August so it's 
you know, they're they're in month two of their career, <laughs> um, and um, just uh, some of the things that we do to onboard our teachers that I think as a new teacher you should look for in any good school that is going to be supportive of new teachers is how are they going to mentor you? How are they going to support you as you work your way? Um, there's the the adult learning curve that our, our new teachers go through, and it's a J curve. And, you know, they start <laughs> off and they're like, oh, God, I have a job. Thank goodness. I have, you know, I've been living on Raymond Noodles in college for four years, and I actually have a job, and I'm going to get paid, and I'm super excited, and they want to spend all of their little bit of money that they have to decorate their room and look, make it look cute and all of those things. And all of those things are great, but that quickly, you know, if you think about a J, it goes down very quickly, the bottom of the J and it's I don't know what to do I don't know who to go for help uh, you know and in the beginning I was excited and I didn't know what I didn't know and then now you, you're in the dip of the of the bottom of the J and finding the school I think that's going to help you through that because when you don't know you know that you know enough that then you know there's a problem but you don't know how to fix it um, is when you really you have to depend on your peers and that's when you have to depend on that your coaching staff your administrators, um, get to know the, the folks on your grade level, get to know on the folks on outside of your grade level. It's amazing how many teachers that I have on staff that really only communicate with, because since I'm in elementary now, that really only communicate with their grade level. So fourth grade, they only talk to fourth grade teachers. <laughs> and they're like, who's that teacher? I've never heard of them. They're in the building. They're just down the hall from me. They teach kindergarten. But so get to know all of those people, because I think the brain power of a room full of teachers is incredible. They could solve world peace. They could do anything, a room full of teachers together. But for so many years, teachers have worked independently. And so now getting them to work collaboratively. So being in a school that really focuses on how are we going to support each other? How are we going to work together? Because you know, working with our children is everybody's work, not just mine in my classroom alone and yours in your classroom. So it's all of us working together. So when I onboard teachers, I want them to have that welcoming atmosphere. I want them to know that we're here to collaborate, that we're here together, that I'm not going to walk you into your room, send those kids kids in, close the door and say, fend for yourself. <laughs> you know, um, I think it's important to look for schools and look for teams of people that are going to give you that support because you're going to hit the bottom of that J curve no matter what um, because you know you're, something's not right but you don't know how to fix it. But learning who to go to and having some experience working with other people is going to help you out of that slump and up to the top of the J. You know, so when you're like, okay, even if there is a problem, but I know who to go to. And then eventually I know how to fix the problem myself and you're at the top of the learning curve. <laughs> but as you go through that, it's, it's hard. It's very, very hard. And so I always tell folks, look for the team of people that you're going to be working with. And that's going to really tell you about what your first year's experience is going to be like. That is cool. I was on um, a hallway of 400 classrooms. Like I might, I might have been 419 or 421, but we, we actually um, made ourselves a, a little motto. We were 400, and we had a little group, and it was like a psychology teacher, and I was journalism, and someone else was English, and we were a mixed group of, of subjects. But the um, 
teacher with the most experience became uh, the mentor teacher to us first years. Mm -hmm. And and we're so thankful for him. I actually did an episode about what he taught me last, uh, episode 20, Mr. C's Three Reading Strategies. So shout out to Mr. C, my mentor teacher. Uh, He taught me how to walk into a classroom. As simple as that. And we practiced entering a classroom um, with confidence. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't scurrying in. Hey, no, 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 you stand up, put your shoulders back, uh, walk. No this skulking. Is, yes, <laughs> this is yours. And I was so mm-hmm. proud when I went on to teach others, this is how you walk. You know, this is you. Paul, what about, what about uh, peer relationships? Yeah, I, I believe those, those are really important. I think the, the group, collaborative atmosphere is is very important pairing them up with with a mentor is is extremely important but I also think that one of the things that's going to make or break their career is um, how strong they become as an instructor mm-hmm. so really um, also pairing them up with the our instructional coach so they're they're getting continuous feedback not always necessarily from me because I know so a lot of times, you know, getting the feedback from your, your boss can be kind of intimidating, <laughs> you know, but if you get it from you know, maybe like an instructional coach, whatever, and I always try to, you know, not to really kind of step back a little bit and let, let them do their thing, let the mentor mentor kind of be that emotional support for the teacher, maybe the instructional coach kind of pushes in, goes into class, um, does a side by side, maybe, you know. And in, in my situation, it's a little bit different than elementary because many times in the elementary, they, they have a degree and they've had an internship. Not all the time, but I know there's exceptions to that. But in secondary, I get a, a lot of people that we hire um, are coming from other sectors. Mm. Uh, they don't necessarily have an education background. So we're really starting from scratch. They've never had an opportunity to, to teach side by side with anybody or to see it modeled or anything like that. So really getting the instructional coaches in there to offer like side-by-side teaching, modeling the teaching for them, offering opportunities, pushing to other classrooms to see that. In addition to working in their professional learning community, all together really provides a very powerful support system for for new teachers and a a way for them to to work with their peers to really improve quickly. Um, So that, you know, this is a little bit different perspective than than elementary because, you know, that, you know, Yesterday you were, you know, I don't know, a bank teller or maybe you're managing a Walmart or something. I don't know. But today you're teaching math in high school and we're going to make you a teacher. You have the content area knowledge. And so, and that's how we're going to do it. And I think it's really, I think it's really interesting because I've I've had interviews with teachers before that, um, because we always end with, well, do you have any questions for us? You know, and it's usually somebody who's really good that we really want, right? And then they're like, well, how are you going to support me? <laughs> what kind of supports does your school have? And now we're like, oh, I think the seats have changed. Now I'm being interviewed. All right. And I have to like, yeah, we're going to have, there's going to be a mentor for you. We're going to push in. We're going to, and all the supports that we're going to provide them. Because they want to go to the school that's going to provide them the greatest level of support. I don't blame them, mm-hmm. especially in this job climate. You know, you have to be prepared to to have a school that has all those supports in place this is so um, a first year teacher or any or an alternative certification teacher mm-hmm. um can advocate for themselves and reverse interview uh is this <laughs> yes. is this a school that i would like to be at 
um, what is your 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 school culture? Um, I am an alternative alternative certification teacher um, crossover, and I came. I was a tax agent, and then I went into the classroom, and so um, I I definitely had the J curve, uh, and so this uh, I relate to all of this. Uh, both of you talked about mentors, and um, just for for the listeners. Uh, what is a mentor? Why do I need one? And um, how do you get one? Well, um, all new teachers should have a mentor. A mentor is your sounding board. Um, someone that you go to um, when you just don't know where the copy room is. You know, something <laughs> as simple, some someone that you can go to, bounce ideas off of, someone that's going to be non-judgmental, that is just there to support. Um, so I think every teacher, um, anytime, even if they're experienced but new to a specific building or new to a specific population should have a mentor. Um, I don't think it is something that it should ever be conceived of as negative that you have a mentor because you need help. Mm -hmm. No, it shouldn't ever be conceived as that. It should be, um, I have a mentor so we can help each other, so we can support each other. Um, I think it's important um, when for new teachers to trust their mentor, um, to look for someone who has maybe a similar path as them if they went through an alternate certification program so they can kind of help them through because there's paperwork that needs to get done. And if you've not done it, you don't know how to do that. So I, I, I think uh, it's good to have similar experiences um, in, in education. I think it's also important to have a mentor that is just a good listener. Um, I think that's very important. Sometimes teachers are, they don't want you necessarily to solve their problem, but they need to vent. They need, they're <laughs> frustrated. Um, you know, Paul wasn't listening today in class and I tried this and I tried this and I tried this <laughs> and I can't think of anything else to try because I've, that, I've exhausted my toolbox. And going to your mentor who can say, well, have you tried this or have you tried this? Do you want me to go in there and try? Do you want to go cover my class while I go over to your room and try talking to Paul? You know, just someone who is a non-judgmental, non-evaluative, just a good sounding board that can, you know, help you and walk you through just... Uh, just surviving in the beginning of the school year because the beginning of the year of your first year it's it's challenging um you know you go home and i remember my first months of teaching and i went home and i was like i'm so tired it's five <laughs> o'clock and i'm ready to go to bed what is wrong with me i'm exhausted and it was because i was doing all the work and i wasn't making my kids do the work now i understand i have a little better grasp on that but you know, finding that mentor that can help you, even if it's just to say, you know what, it's time to go home. Oh, that's good. You know, it's time to it, <laughs> it's time to go. There's you're, you, that's gonna still be there tomorrow when you come in. It's time to go home and take care of yourself. Um, I think uh, a mentor needs to be all of those things. So I think everyone should have a mentor. And depending on the school, um, you know, when I sit down and I look at with my leadership team and we look at, okay, who are the folks that we think would be good mentors as well as who, who do we think we need to mentee? So who, who obviously are new students that are, are our new teachers, excuse me, that are coming on board. But also, maybe I changed someone, I, for example, I changed a teacher this year from fifth grade to third grade. 
you know, he wasn't a new teacher, but he needed a mentor because he was new to the grade level. The standards had changed for him. Um, so I think, so we look at that and then we take all of those into consideration, their personality, who they are, um, their likes and their dislikes, and try to find that mentor for them that's going to be a good match for that person. Not necessarily that they know more, but someone that they can trust and talk to. Oh, yes, definitely. Paul, mentors, yes or no? I don't, I don't think I could have uh, expressed that any better. <laughs> I mean, I think that was a very full explanation, definition of what a good mentor does and you know who, who could use mentor and how it could be implemented in the school. You know, it's it's essential. We all we all run into those situations where we're just emotionally um, taxed and drained because, it, especially at first, it is very you know difficult. And just having that that person that we can you know talk to and turn to is is very important. So yeah, and I think also the selection of like who needs it and like who would be good at be, being a mentor is really important. You know. Um, we want to make sure that we it's like people that are going to be good role models for our, you know our rising teachers so yeah this is yeah. all very good advice um, I'm glad I had a mentor and I think we selected each other or they gravitated toward each other mm -hmm. uh, hey that that first year teacher struggling um, have you tried this um, you can grade that paper tomorrow <laughs> exactly yeah. I, I would say I remember my my mentor, when I first started teaching, one of her, her the advice she gave me was, "Don't go into the teacher lounge." <laughs> <laughs> that, that was funny. the first. That was well, you know, and you know, I understand that now because at the time and at that school, the the way things were, where there, there was a lot of negativity in there, and that was good advice for me. I didn't really need to hear that at that time, <laughs> you know, I, and. Uh, so I appreciate that. That wasn't something I needed to listen to at that time. I was, you know, I needed to form my own opinions and my, my myself as a teacher and develop myself. And now, you know, that was, that was really good. Personal yeah. agency. I think um, uh, one of the takeaways for me today is the school climate and culture and how hard that our power principal couple has worked to change the school climate and culture from from don't smile to December to smile before the first day of school in your heart, reach out, communicate with parents, know your students' names. Um, you want them there, you love them. We love what we do. Uh, I, I love being in the classroom and uh, now, uh, you know, I, I miss students when I'm not around them. And so uh, I'm, I'm really glad to have you guys here today. Do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to share? Um, enjoy, enjoy your kids, have fun with them. You know, the year goes by quick. Um, enjoy every day is a fresh start. You know, we all make mistakes. We make them as adults. Our kids make them. Don't hold grudges. That is so true. That was shared with me. Um, it's a new day in ninth grade every day, every day, every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I would just say that, um, Growing up, you know, I'm trying to decide, oh, what, what is my career path? You know, and it's always been, I want a job that doesn't feel like a job. I want, <laughs> I want to go to work and really enjoy what I'm doing and get paid for something that I'm like, you know, that I really love doing. And being an educator has fulfilled that. I mean, I, I have, you know, had many days where I'm like, am I really getting paid to do this? 
you know <laughs> it's and what keeps you coming every day are your students and those relationships that you build with your students and your parents and then it really starts to pay off you know after a year or two or or further down the road when you you keep track of these students and you see them grow and improve and their accomplishments and you share in those accomplishments and it kind of feeds into the importance that you've had in their path towards success. So it's a wonderful career and those are some things to look forward to. That is so inspiring. This is why we're teachers. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on FTCE seminar. Uh, normally we talk about studying. Today we talked about preparing for your first job. This is your host, Mercedes Musto. Join me again on FTCE seminar, a teacher certification exam podcast. So you can prep to pass the FTCE. Mm -hmm.